Thanks for joining us on After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel or by going to americaoutloud.com and clicking the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. While you're there, please check out the articles and podcasts updated daily. Uh, We face the same social media censorship that so many of you do, so when you share on social media, we appreciate it a great deal. It's just all about getting the word out. So when you share the news and uh, podcast on social media, it does help us all out a great deal. Very excited for the show tonight. We've got on Pastor Frank Stewart, who's the author of Father Deficiency, 29 Things Every Person Needs to Know Who Is Reared Without a Good Father. And we've had uh, these conversations a lot on our show. Last night with B.B. Diamond, we discussed this recent story in Florida where this young man attacked a teacher. Um, completely knocked her unconscious. And as I was telling Robin Beebe, um, back when I was a kid, if this would have happened, I would have been more worried about what my parents were going to do to me than um, what the school system could do to me. So I think a lot of this obviously starts at home, this bad behavior that we're seeing. If you look at the statistics, it rears it out. 85% of youth in prison come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. I mean, you can just go on down the chart and you can clearly see the pattern here. And uh, it's just a cultural and society issue right here in America. And we're going to have Pastor Stewart come on and discuss it tonight. And I'm really excited. How about you, Rob? Andrew, I'm glad to be here tonight. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As you mentioned, we've been discussing this on our show, After Dark with Rob and Andrew. Because there is a problem out there in society. Today's youths are bombarded by so many things that seem appealing. And it's unfortunate that a lot of these kids are being raised by kids. Now, some will say, well, you look back generations ago, it was the same thing that was happening. Yeah, perhaps. But more so today, kids are being reared by kids. And it's unfortunate that in these families, there is a father figure that's missing. Why is that? Why isn't the dad at home? When you look at the 60s, before the 60s, you had two parents at home. Then as we move through the 60s, that father figure started fading away. And when you start to break it down by different groups, definitely within the black and brown community, that father does not exist. And if he's there, he's not fulfilling the role that he should fulfill. Now, you'll see it in all the groups, all the different races, but it's more prevalent in the black and brown community. There has to be a point whereby we as a society look at this and say, what are we doing wrong? Our school systems are failing our children. Parents are failing our children, unfortunately. Our children are being bombarded by social media, by TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. They're, in essence, teaching our children. And now you have this new push to change the gender of our children. We're giving our children more rights than the parents. 
So some of the parents are afraid to do anything because we've got big government that's saying, we're going to raise your children. We're going to do this. And when you have the government telling you, oh, we want to open up child care for as young as three, but where? Because in essence, what they're doing is that they're removing your parental rights and they're going to tell your children what they want to tell them and teach them what they want to teach them. So right now we're suffering from the father being at home, but before long, we'll have no parents because the government has stepped in and that is dangerous. We have to wake up and realize what's happening. So we have on tonight, Pastor Frank Stewart, who is a pastor of Agape Community Temple of Servants Church at North Little Rock. And as you mentioned, Andrew, he's written a book. I think that he wrote the book, I think it came out in 2011. Father Deficiency, 29 Things Every Person Needs to Know Who Was Reared Without a Good Father. There are many men out there making babies, but that's not to say that they're a father. The same thing could be said of a mother. But we want to focus right now on the fathers because households need a father figure. Boys need a father figure. The mother can't do it by herself. Now, there are some that did do it, okay? But for the most part, a boy needs a father at home. He needs that role model. And when it's not there, he will go out in the streets looking for it. That's another problem we have in our society. We're telling women, oh, you can do it by yourself. You don't need a man. What? Oh, you don't need a man. You're an independent woman. You're a strong woman. You don't need this. No, they do need that. The child needs it. We have just deconstructed the whole idea of the family, that institution. We're slouching toward Gomara. We're on a slippery slope to nowhere. We have got to put the brakes on it, and we got to bring it back from the brinks. Because if we don't, our society as we knew it, and as we know it now, will be no more. Pastor Stewart, thank you for coming on. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be on tonight. Uh, this is the reason why I think I was born when you talk about fatherlessness. So why did you decide to write the book? Tell our audience tonight why you decided to write this book, Father Deficiency. And before you do, I must admit that I saw you on an interview and you were saying that you grew up without your father. I think your father died when you were a kid or before you were born. And that during one of your services, after all those years, it hit you, that figure that you were missing. So why did you decide to write this book? Well, I grew up in a home where my father died accidental death when my mother was pregnant with me and I was the last of six children. So I grew up without a father, but not just growing up without a father uh, because of the nature of his death. I've never really seen a good picture of my father. Never really got a chance to see what he really looks like. We had no pictures in the home. I actually remember getting uh, chastised, getting whipped because I wanted to talk about him because of the situation that happened around his death. So because of that, it was something that wasn't right. I couldn't put my fingers finger on it, but I knew it was something that was wrong. And so many times people might ask you, what's wrong with you? And you say, well, I don't know. 
And many times they say, well, you do know. Well, growing up, if you never had a father in the home, you don't know what is missing. And because of that, I decided to write this book. I remember crying on Father's Day, uh, about 34, 35 years of age. I was actually pastoring on Father's Day. All of a sudden, the tears started coming. And from that point, I decided that I needed to put this into print to tell people about what it is like to grow up without a father or knowing a father, no father figure. So what was it like to grow up? It, when you look at these statistics, I can relate to all these statistics. Thank God for a praying mother. And we thank God for that because I would have fulfilled all these statistics. And when you talk about just five times more likely to commit suicide, I was suicidal. When you mm. talk about in a way, I ran away. When you talk about behavior disorder, uh, that child that doesn't have that father in the home, 20 times more likely to have behavior disorder in school. Uh, you, you look at this and you look at 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substance, which I did. Uh, but because of a praying mother, you know, God bless me that I didn't, I was never incarcerated. And those that grew up without a father are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. So I experienced most, mostly all of this growing up. And I know today the world want to make us believe, especially in this country, that a father is optional, but that is a lie. Every child born needs a good father. And I put it in the print, wrote it. It was healing for me, brought about a, a great amount of deliverance in my own life. And it has been a blessing to many, many, many people. So you had a praying mother. A lot of people don't have that praying mother at home. Do you think that it was because of the praying mother and the church? Like you said, you did do some things. You wondered, but you were brought back. You didn't go just completely off on the deep end. Right. Was that right. instrumental in your upbringing to make you the person who you are today? Absolutely. Absolutely. It puts safeguards there and put a fence there. You can only go so far. Uh, Christian education being brought up in the church, you know, that was so, so very important, you know, else I would probably be a statistic today. Well, let me ask you this. If the church wasn't there, like you said, those safeguards, do you think that the outcome would have been the same? No, absolutely not. Mm. Absolutely not. And we have to address that, especially now uh, during COVID and, and as we're moving out of COVID, the necessity for us to gather and to come to the house of the Lord. That is so important. Nothing can replace that in-person uh, atmosphere, you know, being in the presence of God and, and being in the presence of God's people. So I am a living witness that the church was very instrumental in making me into the person that I am today. Did you recognize it at the time when you were going through all this, like you said, that your dad, your father died before you were born, that the path, the trajectory that you were on, but to have these safeguards, were you, was there something inside of you that said, I got to keep going this direction, although I could turn here, 
I mean, what what was it that kept you going so that you are where you are today? Because as I said, there are so many young men that are out there that are clueless. As Andrew mentioned, we look at the situation in Florida whereby this kid pummeled a teacher. Now, granted, he had some mental problems, but then there was another case in Florida where an 18-year-old killed a mother and her daughter and then went back and killed reporters, 18 years old. And then we see on a daily basis in Chicago, yes, people are being killed by Blacks are being killed by Blacks, and we say Black lives matter, but it matters to whom? Does it only matter when a white person kills a Black person? And these are conversations, it seems, that no one wants to have. We, we look at it, and we look the other way almost, but in a lot of our large cities, we see crimes that are being committed. And then when we look at the family itself, the father isn't there. But then the stepdad and the mom comes out and says, oh, he was a good kid. Oh, he did this. But when you look a little closer, they're in that statistic. And no one wants to address it. No one wants to talk about it. Why is that? Well, it's denial. It's denial. And I experienced that, too, growing up. And I told myself I turned out all right, which was not true. You know, it's denial. And to deal with the fact that, hey, I needed my father in my life. That's just a fact. And we have to come out of denial and we and, and deal with it. We're moving in a direction now where, you know, society is telling us that two women can raise uh, children or raise a, a, a young man. And that is not true. Not only do we see the Bible saying that's not true, but when you look at the statistics if you go to prison and interview the people in prison, you will hear them say, I didn't have a relationship with my father. That's an epidemic. The number one epidemic in America, I believe, is that epidemic of fatherlessness. Now, the book Father Deficiency goes a little beyond that. It's not just fatherlessness. It's if the father's in the home and you don't receive what you need to receive from him, you're still deficient. So we talk about father deficiency. But it's important for the father to lead that family to the house of worship, for him to be trained uh, to receive what the whole family need in uh, their relationship with God, in their marriage, how to how to rear children. All of that is so important. And the church must do that. The church must become the epic center. Now, when I say that the church must live up to what God has created it to be if it's going to be the epic center. You know, Rob, I did something. I, I looked at some statistics, especially during COVID, when almost one-third of the church uh, members have made up in their minds not to come back to church. I looked at the National Football League, the NFL, and for the first time in the National Football League history, the home team didn't win the most games. Now you have to think about that. It's only one thing missing, and that was the fans in the stand. There is a law of gathering when we come together. It's not only seen in the spiritual, it is seen in the physical. Even Las Vegas recognizes that if you're playing at home, they're going to take that in consideration 
where they even made making bets and and setting the bet line. So it's so important for us to come back together and encourage one another, as Bible tells us to do. Well, that's interesting that even with the football leagues, yes. to encourage one another, having the church at the epicenter, and also statistics show that there are a lot of people, especially during the seventies and the eighties, just turned away from the church. So yes. if there were men in the church that the young men could look up to, they're not there because they're not going to church. And society is telling women, you can do it by yourself. There's another statistic that says that there's a large portion of men, able-bodied men, that aren't working because society is telling these men, you are toxic. You're no good. We want to push the woman out front. The men have been out front too long. It's now your turn. So if you have a man or a boy that hears this and sees this, why would he even want to go forth and be fruitful? Why would he want to do anything besides run to a gang because he doesn't have what he needs at home? He has yeah. his mom who's probably berating the dad, and that's all he hears. So when I hear women, oh, I can raise a strong black man, as you said, it just can't happen, or a man as a whole, because like I said, it's an all racist, but it just can't happen. I want to continue this conversation on the other side of the break. Yeah, so many layers to this uh, conversation, especially with what's going on in America right now. We've got 80,000 people dying a year of drug overdoses um, in the 80s. Of course, it was the crack epidemic and then it was the heroin and the oxycontin and now it's the fentanyl which is just the most deadly thing to hit america and uh it's just so many layers to this what growing up fatherless can do to a person we're going to continue this conversation you're tuned into after dark with robin andrew on america out loud which is available on iHeartRadio monday through friday at 10 p.m eastern 9 p.m central or 7 p.m on the west coast we'll be back with more after dark with Robin Andrew, with special guest, Pastor Frank Stewart. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. 
So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. And we're back with After Dark with Robin Andrew and our special guest, Pastor Frank Stewart. And we're talking about his book and the missing father and so many houses. Father Deficiency, 29 Things Every Person Needs to Know Who Was Reared Without a Good Father. And as we mentioned during the first block of the show, even if there is a man in the house, if he's not fulfilling his duties, it's not going to help. So I'm going to look at the chapters here and the book that the pastor has written. First chapter, Concept of the Father Deficiency, A Man Called Timothy, Father Deficiency and the Three A's, Acknowledgement, Acceptance, and Approval. Pastor, could you elaborate on that? Acknowledgement, acceptance, and approval. You know, you think about that, and that's what so many, not just young men, but young ladies are missing when the father's not there, to be acknowledged, to be accepted, and to be approval. If you're human, you need to be acknowledged, accepted, and approved. And we can see that in Jesus' baptism. When Jesus got baptized, the Bible talks about the sky opening. And God says about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You have acknowledgement, you have acceptance, and you have approval. And when you read the Gospels, Jesus being God incarnated in flesh, that human body, that man, He needed that acknowledgement and acceptance and approval from his father. If he had not received that, if he had not received that and had the relationship that he had with his father, then I am sure that Jesus wouldn't have been able to do what he did. Now, that's a huge statement. But when you look at how God constantly acknowledged and accepted and approved of him, not just in the baptism, but even on the Mount of Transfiguration, other places in the Bible, when you're not acknowledged, then then it's almost as if you do not exist, especially from the person that you need to be acknowledged uh, by. That's that father. When he doesn't acknowledge you, and, and Rob, I'm telling you, we have so many young men and young women that their father will not acknowledge that they are their fathers. And I'm telling you, it is devastating emotionally to them. And I deal with this all the time. Well, that's powerful. The acknowledgement and acceptance of your existence almost, that you are my child. Yes. Go forth. Like you said, we don't have that. So we, we have situations whereby there are some fathers who want to be a part of their child's life. And yes. And you'll have mothers who are like, nope, stay out. Just give me the money. I'll do this myself. It's like she, she's trying to get back at the father, not realizing yes. that she's harming that child. How do we get around that? What, what advice would you give a father who encounters that, who wants to acknowledge, this is my child. I want to do the, the best I can. I don't have a lot, but I want to be there. But when you have that mother who's in the way, what is your advice? How do they get around it? I think both parties need to be educated. The Bible says my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, education. And I would encourage the father to fight for that right to be in the life 
of his child. He has to fight. If the mother's is if the mother's saying no, you can't be, then I think the father needs to do everything he needs to do uh, to to improve himself if he needs to, whatever it takes. There's a song that I wrote that that been sung here, and it's it's talking about fathers, and we call fathers irreplaceable, irreplaceable. Fathers are irreplaceable. There's no substitute. There's no option for that man in his child's life. So I think education on both parts. I think the church has a huge part to play in that, to educate single mothers, to help them to understand you cannot, you cannot take the place of that father. Now, that's a difficult thing to, to say because my mother worked two jobs to provide for us, but everything she did, she could not take the place of my father. And the problem we have now is when mothers try to do that, then they become less of a mother and never will be a father to that child because they can't be. But in some cases, uh, children have been known to give their mothers Father's Day gift because they say, well, you've been my mother and my father. That is not correct. That has to be corrected. Uh, she can be a great mother, but she cannot be a father. That is not how God designed it. That is not how it works. Wow, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do hear a lot of that. A lot of kids will say, I'm giving my mother this because she was a father to me also. But like you're saying, that's not how it was designed to be. No. Because they're... Oh, but okay, so... If that father isn't there, like in your case, your father died, what's supposed to happen? Well, if see, that's, mother... what, Go ahead. That's, what the, that's what the church is supposed to do. The church is supposed to have mentors. And ah. I like that, not just that role model. I like a man that models. You know, he's a mentor, but he also models. The church is supposed to be able to do that, uh, to help the young man out. I didn't have that. I didn't have that because my mother tried. But we soon learned that those, you know, there wasn't the right people. Mm -hmm. uh, right. But but the church, this, you know, the church can do that. But this was outside of the church. Uh, but the church need to have men in place, men that, you know, the background checks, men that have been trained and all of that so they can be a mentor because a man can step in and he can he can he can do a job of a father uh that's the best that's the best he can do he can't become the father but he can really help that child whether that's a son or whether it's a daughter because when that father's not there you know that daughter is 900 percent more likely to be uh sexually molested if that father or the or I mean the son or the daughter, they go out looking when they when they're not approved or acknowledged, then they go out looking for that acknowledgement, that acceptance and that approval. And and then here's the cycle. Then we have teenage pregnancy. And all they're doing is looking for a father. Yeah, very well said. Uh, Pastor Stewart, we have so many kids here that, um, as Rob mentioned, we've got a lot of absent mothers as well, and these kids don't have any positive influences in their right. life. Is that what you would recommend to any child that doesn't have a good mother and no father presence in their life is just to 
get involved in their church and find a good mentor because you do need that love and support from somewhere. I know whenever I've gone through hard times in my life, uh, the prayers from my parents just helps out a great deal. Amen. We were designed not to be islands. We were designed to be in a group or a family. We we're born into families. God designed that. Adam and Eve, he created, they didn't have a mother, physical mother or physical father. But everyone else, you're born into a family, and that's so important. So, uh, you know, the more we talk about this, the more we begin to understand the role of the church and, and why the church is so important. And I have a book coming out uh, next month, the latter part of next month. And the book is the book is called Who Messed Up Church for You? Who Messed Up Church for You? And subthought is the revelation, the revelation of church hurt revealed. Because so many people don't go to church because they say, well, I got hurt in church. And uh, so there is another side to that. And I believe that when people read the book, they're going to return back to church. Because there's really not a good reason to leave uh, when you look at the design of the church and what God had in his mind when he designed the church. So that takes me to the next chapter, chapter seven, I think, of the book. Order, structure, and discipline feel like abuse. Could you explain that chapter to us? Man, man, this is the chapter that really hits me more than anything else. <laughs> the only job I ever had was in the corporate world. The only job I ever had was management. I started 18. But when you have people giving you instruction and telling you what to do and they're critiquing you, it feels like it feels like abuse. So what we have is so many um, men, they go to a job. And when they try to instill order, instruction, discipline, they feel like they're being abused. So they go to another job and we start that cycle all over again. Well, I got a bad boss. My boss didn't treat me right. Well, my boss was this, you know, you know, but what it is, is order, structure and discipline. When you have not had that male presence in your life and when you start when you start working or going into a structured environment, it feels like abuse. And, and this is something that I personally experience. You know, you think, well, people don't, they don't like me. Well, no, we, it's, it's order, it's structure, it, it's discipline. You have to be here on time. You got to, you got to work a certain way. That feels like abuse. And, and I see this all the time with so many men that just almost refuse to work or they're from one job to another job to another job. The next chapter. Have you stolen your father's idols? Are you worshiping your father's idols? What you did know, you mean by that? Well, when you look in the Bible, it's, it actually says that that dealing with Rachel and, and Leah, they stole their father's household idols. And so many times what happened in the Bible, the idol of the father became the idol of the children or the son. When you look at the statistics, those that grow up in fatherless homes, they end up doing the same thing. They end up having they end up having children and not being there for their children. Uh, they have them, you know, teenage mothers and so forth. So it's a vicious cycle that we see. Now, to, for some of us, it makes us more. Uh, 
F to take care of our kids. We're making sure that they don't go through what we went through. But when you look at statistics, uh, they grow up without a father. Well, guess what? Then they end up getting somebody pregnant and then they're not in the lives of their children like they should be. They end up worshiping their fathers. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, just they end up worshiping their father's items. They end up they end up doing the same thing that they hated growing up. Right. And many of them don't like their father. They got a problem with their father, but they end up doing their children the same way. I remember some years ago, Bill Cosby. I know a lot of people have their thoughts about Bill Cosby, but he was always concerned about the family. And he spoke about mm-hmm. the family. And he would focus on athletes and he would say how they're not disciplined they need a father figure and people would attack bill cosby for coming out and saying that now bill has his own personal problems but what he was saying about the father figure being in the lives of a lot of these athletes and you look at some of these athletes now they make all this money but a lot of them are from single parent homes there is no yeah. father there's a mother and she's happy because oh he has all this money he's doing this but then when you look at that athlete what he's doing he's having a baby with this woman that woman this woman it's a lot of baby mama drama with all this money because he's yet to grow up and take on the responsibility of a father compared to when you see some of the white counterparts who go they get married they have their children and they're there. Yes, there are some that don't do it. But for the most part, they do what they need to do because they saw their fathers doing it. Whereas when we look at our Black athletes, and it's almost as if though they're worshipped and they're praised for having all these women and all these babies. Yes. When Bill Cosby was saying, no, we got to stop this cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I never understood why they attacked Bill Cosby because what he was saying was so true. He even came to Arkansas and was on the campus of UAPB and, and they really attacked him. I don't I didn't understand that. But you notice that when they give the microphone to some athlete, he talks about his mother, especially African-American athlete. They don't mention the father. They talk about their mothers. And a mother cannot do what a father can do. The discipline is not there. And, and you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you, you see the, the just uh, pregnancies and, and just the type of living and taking care of their children and, and so forth. Because a child needs more than just money and child support. He needs that father's presence. He, he needs his discipline. He needs the order. He needs the structure. My aunt said something when I was a child that I never understood until I got older being raised by five women because my two brothers, they left when I was about five or six, they went to the military and being raised by five women. One day my uncle was trying to correct me and my aunt told him he couldn't do it. She said, he's not used to a man correcting him. And I thought that was so weird. I was like, okay, you guys discipline me. You guys whip me, but it's different when a man does it. My wife said to me on one occasion when my children was growing up, she says, not fair. She said, she said, I'm here all day with the kids and I'm telling them to do this, do that. And, you know, she says she's struggling, trying to get them to do certain things. But she said, you come in from work and you tell them to get up on the couch and sit down. And they both run and sit on the, jump up on the couch and sit. 
<laughs> she said, this is not fair. But it is the authority, it is the God-given authority that God gave to the Father, to the man. And that is what God designed. That is the way it is. And we're trying to change principles and laws that we cannot change, just like the law of gravity. It is what it is. And we're trying to change principles and laws that God has set in place, and we cannot change those laws. You're right. Before we go to break, I just want to say, you know, what you're saying, and, and that is true. The father will come home and say, do this, and the children were doing it. I was watching a video not too long ago, of, uh, and this was in the animal kingdom. You had the mother dog trying to tell the little puppy, you know, to stop to do something. She was like baiting him away with her paw. He wouldn't do it. But as soon as the father dog came up and did one bark, <laughs> that little puppy just like stopped and looked up. So if it's that right. way in the animal kingdom, yes. I mean, it's the same thing with us. But yet you have like these mothers who feel that I can do it all. And, you know, yes, I'm sure those athletes are thanking their moms because their mom did this. But then I'm like, look a little closer. Did right. she allow that boy's dad, her son's dad to be in his life? Or was she constantly berating him and saying, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. But you went and you laid down with him and you produced a child. Now, there are some men who are irresponsible because they didn't have that father figure. Like you said, it's a cycle. They didn't have yeah. it, so they didn't know how to do it. But when you have these fathers that want to do it and yes. the mothers are denying them that opportunity. So when we come back from break, I want to talk about that and then talk about the next chapter about the crown that you had mentioned. You're tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew with special guest Pastor Frank Stewart. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan a plan based on real science that responds to the real-world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. 
a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. I hope you guys are enjoying this topic, this ultimately important conversation that we're having about fathers and the importance of fathers in the home to help to rear the children. There are so many times where we see children are being raised by mothers. Nothing against the mothers. Sometimes you've got to do what you have to do. But children need that male role model in their lives, a good male role model. And as the pastor is saying, if it's not at home, that's where the church comes in. And I know that a lot of people, they have their issues with the church. And the pastor said that he's writing a book about that, which is going to come out soon. What has happened to you, the role of the church, how important it is, and the lives. But you have some churches, some people will say, well, this church is just predominantly women. Where are the men? We will talk about that. And I'm sure the pastor has some uh, some suggestions that he can uh, go over. But one of the things I want to mention before we get to that, this is one of the chapters in the book that talks about, I need someone to help me with my crown, a cry for mentorship and fathering. So if it's not at home, it's not in the neighborhood, you're supposed to find it in the church. But when you get to the church, it's like, where are the men? How are we going to help straighten that crown? Pastor Stewart. You know, the thing about it is, is is so many facets to this. The church must become male friendly. That is that is important. It's many facets to this, but the church must become male friendly where the men are given an opportunity to be men. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so much to that, to just open that up. But I would just say the church must become men friendly. We must recruit men must recruit men and we must teach men because so many men, they are father deficient and they're not used to another man correcting them. They're not used to another man giving them advice. You know, I, I, I hear men saying, I run my house. Well, that might be true, but you're not being successful. You need some help. The Bible says on three different occasions, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We need someone to help us, especially coming from a fatherless home or a father deficient home and being able to come together. But there, 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 there are ways to reach men. We have to do some things that are unconventional uh, when we talk about bringing more men into the church and let men be the leaders in the church. It's, it's so much in, in, in that, but we have to make a intentional effort to recruit men once we get them in church, to teach them, to help them understand. Now, Rob, I have to be completely honest with you on this, and I need to say this. The most endangered species in America is black males. So we have to take into account of our, you know, our history, our society, uh, the church has understand and becoming male friendly. It's, it's so much to that, and it would take me a long time to just really get into that and deal with that. But we will have you back on, Pastor, <laughs> because this is <laughs> this is really good. This is a really good conversation, and I think the conversation is long overdue. Yes, a frank and honest conversation. Now, so let's say we have the situation whereby we have the men. 
we have them in the church. How do we, how do they go about helping that crown piece, as I mentioned, straightening the crown and putting the crown on? What did you mean by that in the book? You know, when the book says that in, in Lamentation chapter 5, verse 16, it says, the crown has fallen from my head. The crown has fallen from my head. And it, it talks about there's a history of what the older men didn't do. And the result was the nation going into slavery and the young women being uh, raped and molested and sold into slavery. So the first thing that needs to happen is men to be men. Now, what does that mean? Now, the church used to t the church used to tell us growing up, be a man. OK, what does that mean? If I haven't seen a man in my house, there are not many men in the church. I go to school and all my teachers are female and you just told me to be a man. What does that mean? So the church has to stop, take time explain and teach what it means to be a man. Now we get the man in the church teaching, education. Uh, it's so important to teach and to educate them. And I, I'm telling you that men want to be educated. They want to be taught, but they want to be treated like men. Now you cannot treat a man like you would treat a woman or teach a man like you would teach a woman. You, you, you cannot violate his manhood. So th there's ways to reach men, but we have to be wise in doing that. Wow, that's powerful. Teaching men, respecting men, bringing men back to the church. And I think that, I think personally, that's where it starts. Because yes. if you have these role models there, then you can go out and bring other boys to the church and then teach them. We had a young man on our show, uh, gosh, his name is uh, King Randall, who's opening a, opened a school, I don't know if you're familiar with him, in Georgia, and what he's doing with trying to reach out to black boys and teach them. Now, he can only go so far because he's young himself. He doesn't have life experiences. And that's another thing, you know, finding men that have life experiences is something that you said, I think, during the second block is to train them before you unleash them on these men because everyone doesn't have good intention. And as I mentioned, just simply because you were able to seed a child does not mean that you're a father. So giving instructions on how to do what you're supposed to do, what's expected of you. And as you mentioned, Pastor, a lot of men, they want to know, but yes. there's no one there to guide them. And you have so many people wanting to give up on them. When you look, look at the statistics and you look at these boys that are going to prison, it shouldn't be that way. And no one wants to accept it that, look, a majority of the crime is being committed by our Black youth. We only make up 13% of the population. Yes, white youth are doing things that they shouldn't do also. We get it. We see that. But when you only make up 13% of the population, and of that 13%, almost half is responsible for the crimes, we have a problem that needs to be addressed. And we shouldn't want to address it when these kids are shot dead in the street. Then we want to come out and start crying and say, oh, my child, look at what the system has done. Why can't we address the problem up 
front as opposed to waiting for something drastic like that to happen. What are your thoughts on that, Pastor? Yes, and we have to be proactive and not just react into situations. We have to be proactive. We have all this going on, and I'm telling you that we have to take a stand. We have to question some things. When we say Black Lives Matter, and and then we only respond to the lives that is taken by maybe a white police officer, then we have a hundred black lives being taken by other black lives. We have to address that. Yes, we understand authority. People, policemen are in authority and they shouldn't be doing some things. We understand that. But we got to really look at ourselves and we have to look at our communities. What we have to do before we can take our communities back and before we can take the streets back, we got to take our homes back. Got to take our homes back. Now, that's going to take some teaching. Now, the, the African-American church has, has been based on a lot of emotions throughout the years. We have to get to some really down-to-earth, basic, practical principles of teaching uh, young men and young women when we have them, when they are teens and preteens. So teaching education is very, very important. Very, very important. Got to teach them how to be a man. You know, in the book of Job, Job chapter 38, God says something to Job. He says to Job, he wanted him to start acting like a man. That's such a powerful statement. And what God is saying, Job knew how he should act. Most, many, I won't say most, but many of the young men we're dealing with, if not most, they don't know what a man is. They don't know how to act like a man. That's education. And I don't want to... I'm trying not to overemphasize that, but you really can't uh, overemphasize that. There are, there are people that after they're educated on what a man should do, they fall off of that. But I've noticed that they come back. They know what they're supposed to do, even if they don't do it. But when you don't even know what you're supposed to do, it creates another problem, huge problem. Right. Now, two more chapters here that I'm looking at. As I mentioned, there's 29 chapters and we're just hopping around. Uh, we have a couple of more minutes left. I want to talk about there is hope for your father deficiency. Now, we've touched on this throughout the conversation tonight, but I would like for you to elaborate on that yourself these last couple of minutes that we have here, that there is hope. Because as I mentioned, I think it was the second block, you have fathers wanting access to their children. You have the mother saying no. You have some men that are there that don't know how to be a father. You have the church who's supposed to play a role in it. I know a lot of people have turned their backs on the church, but there is hope. So how do how do we tell these fathers, okay, you messed up, but all is not lost. You can be redeemed. You yes. can come back. Explain that to us, Pastor. Well, you know, one of the last things that God says to us in the Old Testament before we get into the New Testament he says in Malachi, the last chapter and the last verse of the Old Testament, he says, and he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest that come and strike the earth with a curse. So what we have to do, it has to be an organized effort. We have to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and we have to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, in order for us to do that, we're going to need a plan. The mother's in between. She's right there in the midst here. So she needs to be educated. She needs to understand some things. Rob, this is so deep and there's so many, there's so many facets to this that we have to look at everything. 
you know, when we when we talk about uh, the hope, there is hope. There is hope. As long as there's a God, there is hope. But the biggest thing that we need to understand is the educational piece. And the reason why I'm saying that is once you educate people to an understanding that this is a problem, but this is a solution and get them to buy into that. There's so many people that now they've been taught, television has taught them, the media has taught them that you really don't need a man in a home. You don't need him anymore. You can be a family. You can be the modern family. You can be a family without a father. And that's by choice. That's that's they choosing to do that by design. So I, I think that we have to educate the mother, help her to understand. You can be a great mother, but your child need his father or her father in their lives. She has to understand that. You don't have to take the father back if you don't. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the children now. So we're talking about counseling. We're talking about the multitude of counselors, not just at the church, but we have to have other counselors to, to give time. We have to have a concerted effort to bring this about. But there is hope. I, I've seen incredible results. I started this and I wrote the book in, in 2011, but I've been teaching this for a long time. And I've seen incredible results in our churches among people, we have a Father's Day march, and it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. So there is hope, and, and I'm very hopeful. And I think that for some of us, we know that this is why God has left us on earth, to make a difference in families, especially those families that do not have fathers. Right. And then I'm looking at the last chapter here. I guess this is something that you're touching on now. That is a work in progress. Yes, yes, yes. It's not going to happen overnight, and we can't get frustrated. We can't give up, you know, uh, little by little. The Bible talks about that, little by little. So you, you might not be able to save uh, 100 families, but let's start working on one, and let's fix that. Let's give that family what they need. Let's give that father and that mother what they need. And if we can keep them, from, from divorcing, if we can keep them from breaking up, if we can give them counseling before they get to that point, that's another aspect we have to look at. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. And you must understand this, else you will you will get frustrated. You will want to just throw in the towel because it can become so overwhelming when you look at society. But one at a time, little by little, one makes a huge difference. Just focus on that one because it makes a difference to that one, to that family, to that child. Right. And there's so many competing forces, as I mentioned in the first block of the show, that has this trying to get the attention of our children. Yes. And as my mom and my grandma was all, would always say, the devil is a lie. And we yes. have them to think that what they're doing is right. But, but it's not right. You know, we've got to understand the devil is a lie. We'll have right. you to think that you don't need this, right? but you need it in order to get to the next step. And you also mentioned that it's not an overnight thing that's going to happen because a lot of people assume, I'll go to church. Okay, I, I, I read the book. I know what I need to do. And it's going to happen overnight. 
There might be yeah. some steps, some, you know, you might fall back or backslide or so to speak, as they say in the church, but you right. got to keep going. I think you would, you have to keep going. Is that not true, Pastor? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but it keeps getting back up. So we have to keep working. And we have to realize that it's not going to be an overnight thing. They're going to fall out with one another. They might get angry with one, one another because of the history. And we have to keep on keep on plugging away. And just that one family, one at a time. And we're going to see this nation turned around. But it's, right. it's an end of the church. And then you also mentioned, I think that's which is also important, is that when you're, when you're going through this process, you're not saying that the mother is going to get back with the dad. Cause I think a lot of times people are assuming that, Oh, you want yeah. me to get back with him, but no, no. that's not it. <laughs> it's more right. so getting that man in the life of the children. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. They need to know that up front. So they'd be more willing to listen. So this need to be, you know, to help them understand. We're not saying we're trying to put you, you two back together. The whole focus here is the child. Or the children. That's the focus, not not reconciliation with with mother and father. Andrew, this was a very powerful show. <laughs> we definitely want to have the pastor back on to continue this conversation because there's, as he said, and you said yourself, there are so many layers here that need to be explored. The responsibility of the church, the family, the fathers, and all working in a concerted effort. Andrew, wow, this is a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I would recommend anyone go to Barnes & Noble's website and check out Father Deficiency, 29 Things Every Person Needs to Know Who Is Reared Without a Good Father, and get this book for yourself or a loved one. It's a great present for anyone um, who has had father um, an absent father in their history. Thank you so much to Pastor Frank Stewart for joining us tonight. Thank you all for joining us on After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you stream. Please like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or go to AmericaOutloud.com. We'll see you guys next time. And remember, stand for something or fall for nothing.